Hi, everybody. So we're celebrating this whole month, moms. If you aren't a mom, I promise it's still going to be worth it. You're going to love it. I did do a podcast last last week about supplements. So if you are wanting to read it and get links to it and it felt overwhelming or you just want more, please go to emilyshom.com slash blog. There is a uh, blog post with everything in it for you, including links to the things I love. And um, please give me feedback on that. I would love to know your thoughts. I just seriously loved the questions. So thank you for participating and being active. I listen and I see what you guys write most of the time. So thank you. Uh, I'm your host. I guess I should say that. I'm Emily Schramm. <laughs> this is Meathead Hippie Podcast. And I'm becoming more and more enlightened on the, all things Meathead and Hippie with this gym downstairs. I just have to tell you this. This is so funny. I literally was diffusing Palo Santo. I found an oil from Soulful Essence. It's the oil of Palo Santo. So I don't have to burn it the whole time. And then doing deadlifts in between. And I was like, yes, this is the definition of meathead hippie. Uh, so to, today we're, we're interviewing Lindsay Mama. Oh, shoot. Lindsay Muma. Muma is in Puma. I just love calling it Mama because it's like she's a mom and she works with moms. It's kind of a perfect name, but it's Dr. Muma. She is a badass. So I was asking Lindsay Matthews, who is the CEO of BirthFit, who do I interview? I'm not a mom. I want the best moms to talk about how to be a better mom, a more inspired mom, a, just to be a, just to relate. I mean, I can't relate. I have a cat. I don't, have, I don't have a baby. So what do I, who do I even talk to? And she was the top of the list to make sure I interviewed. And as soon as I started this interview, I knew why she's just full of life and energy and realness and I just think having a baby is fascinating. So anybody should listen to this, whether you want a mom or want to be a mom or you are a mom. I think it's just so great. We get into uh, some vagal tone theories and parasympathetic theories, and she talks about the spine and breathing. Dr. Mama, let me read her bio super fast. Lindsay Muma is a regional director of BirthFit and teaches prenatal and postpartum fitness and education. She is a Webster certified chiropractor. Uh, she was named one of the leading physicians of the world by the International Association of Healthcare Professionals and a top rally chiropractor by Open Care. She is in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you are in the area, be sure to go find her. Um, she's just she's just a powerhouse, has two businesses and also is the COO of BirthFit, which you're going to learn all about. And this whole thing is inspired really in this collaboration because I am so thrilled to partner with BirthFit in my first collaborative bag. And so you guys know I have a backpack company, The Impact, and I love it because I can work out when I travel. I love it because I can help my clients train, weight train while they're at home but I wanted something a little bit more. And this was so it. And it was just a way to help moms prenatal, postpartum. How do I work out when I have a baby on the way? How do I work out when I, I don't even have time? And how do I have a dope backpack? Because this thing is so beautiful. So I made it more accessible, extra zippers. If you haven't seen it, just go to the Instagram Evolved Motion. We are launching October 22nd. So that's the day they go for sale. You can buy them on evolvemotion.com and that will come without the program. And then you can also buy them on birthfit.com and that will include the program that comes with it, prenatal, postpartum, six weeks. So it's just, I'm just so stoked. So this is just in celebration of that. And I think that's really, that's really all I got. I uh, am so happy that 
it's October, it's snowing in Denver, it's winter, it's just around the corner, but it's also bizarre because where the fuck is this year going? Like, I know everyone says this, as you get older, time flies by, but it really is flying by. So my goal this week, I'm starting a don't overthink it program. I'm just trying to be in the moment. I'm really working on celebrating those little things. I promise we all get to that point. There's, there's more to do. There's more to see. There's more to, more to crush. But what happens when we just, all of a sudden it's 2050 and we're just still saying the same things. So I invite you to take some time, enjoy this, be in the moment with me and, um, I'll see you next week. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Lindsay Muma as a Puma <laughs> from Birthday. I am so excited that you're here. Because I <laughs> when I talked to Lindsay Matthews about like, okay, I want to have all the moms on all through October just celebrating this whole collaboration we're doing. Uh, you're the first out of our mouth of like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be great. So I'm really excited that we made the time to do this because you are a busy mom. So this is perfect. Yeah. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's talk, we'll just jump right into it because I, you know, again, this, this whole series of October podcasts is because there's a point, I mean, I can talk to moms, but I am not a mom. So it makes no sense for me to pretend I am. And you guys have this wealth of knowledge with BirthFit and the community. And I would love to just know, you know, if someone's new to BirthFit or if they're interested um, in just kind of your own story of how you found it and now are such a part of it. Tell us about it as a whole, the beliefs that it has and what you guys as BirthFit represent. Oh man, I wish I was like writing that down because I'm going to answer all of the things right now. So if somebody is new to birth fit, they like, you can just dip your toes in the water a little bit. If you're like, I don't know about this birth fit thing. I don't know what this is. Well, there's a whole bunch of free content on the blog. There's a whole bunch of free content on the YouTube page. There's a whole bunch of free content across the birth fit website. So you can just kind of like follow on Instagram and sort of get a taste of it. Right. But if you want to kind of delve in and you want to like choose to be birth fit and that's, that's, that's important language because it is a choice. And this isn't just like, okay, I'm going to work out during my pregnancy. And that's sort of what we kind of get known for. Um, those are the sexy pictures that you can share on Instagram, like big old belly and a barbell. And like, everybody loves those, but it really is an empowered and educated state of being. And it's specific to the motherhood transition. So the motherhood transition is referring to the time period when you start to think, you know what, I think I want to get pregnant. And it goes all the way through labor and through birth and then into the postpartum time period. And we recognize at least the first year postpartum as the immediate postpartum time period. Usually that kind of cuts off around 12 weeks, uh, which is what is considered the fourth trimester. But it's so important that we actually take our time to heal and fully recover postpartum. And so a full year of that is really great. I personally needed two years after my second son was born. Um, so there are online programs. We have the new conscious core programs, which are postpartum programs that are specific to either a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. Either one of those are available and they're six week programs and they are 
they kind of embody the, the birth fit mantra of slow is fast. Mm -hmm. And what that means is when you're doing movements, the slower that you do the movements, the faster that you achieve strength and stability through them. It also means the slower that you take your recovery, the faster that you are recovered. Um, and, and, and kind of the mindset, like when you sit down to eat a meal, the slower that you eat the meal, the faster that your body is actually able to digest and metabolize it. Uh, and so the conscious core programs are, are a, a taste of the postpartum recovery that we do. And those kind of mimic our in-person postpartum series breath and flow classes. Uh, and those are available at all regional directors. So I'm a regional director, which means that I have the birth fit curriculum and um, the postpartum series breath and flow is one of those classes. And then we have 15 weeks of online postpartum programming. And we also have prenatal programming that's available. So ideally women are able to work with a regional director or a birth fit coach or a birth fit professional in their area, but maybe that's not a possibility. And so um, if it's not a possibility to do this in person, then we do have online options available. Our, our preference is that you are working with a regional director because these, like I'm, I'm currently in the process of doing interviews for new regional directors and these people are old. They're just, they're amazing humans and they're so excited about helping women and their partners through the motherhood transition. And, um, they're applying to represent birth fit. And, and so our four pillars are fitness, nutrition, mindset, and connection. And through those four pillars, we have fitness classes where like you come together and you work out, but it's not really just a fitness class because you're, you're incorporating all four of the birth fit pillars. And we also have childbirth education. So the birth fit prenatal series, um, th that's another class that's offered at the, uh, at each regional director. Um, and then we have the birth fit coach seminar and a birth fit professional seminar. And those are applicable to whichever kind of field you might fall in. A lot of people end up taking both of them because a lot of people fall in both of those categories. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a ton of different ways to get yeah. involved. I, I got involved. Um, I found the blog, the birth at blog in 2012, which it started in 2011 is when Lindsay Matthews started writing it. And then in 2012, I found the blog and that's the year that I got pregnant in 2013. Um, she sent me a message on Facebook after I had like shared something from the birth at blog maybe. And, um, yeah. And then we just kind of, I guess started brainstorming a little bit about like, <laughs> let's do something, you know? Yeah. So. Cause I mean, it's so needed because everything you're saying is everything opposite of what I've seen. So when you're talking about slow is fast and sometimes it takes two years to recover because you know, in our society, it's just as soon as you get done with having a baby, this baby is out. Now I come back to myself. Like I need my body back. I need to get to this place. I, and honestly, in just full transparency, I feel like that's pretty much what my meant. Just knowing myself, if I was to have a baby, I can very much see myself being that person. And so I'm curious with your first baby, did you already have that mindset and kind of know like to just respect the process of coming back? And then um, it was just reinforced with you and Lindsay kind of brainstorming into this, I, or is it just a hard habit to break and you just are ready to break it for people? <laughs> um, I will break your habit for you. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I was just. I was pretty egotistical in my first pregnancy, to be honest with you. Like, I'm so, so, so grateful that um, I had my, my profile picture was a picture of me pregnant, like in a gym setting in some way at the time when Lindsay Matthews contacted me. And so like, 
her name's Lindsay and my name's Lindsay and I'm a chiropractor and she's a chiropractor. And <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, like, oh, hey, cool. We have things in common already. And I am excited about pregnancy and fitness and things of that nature. And it seems like you are too. <laughs> um, so we, so thankfully, you know, I got hooked up with, with her just via the interwebs um, because I had actually, so the, most of the movements that we do are based on developmental kinesiology. And so that is the study of how humans learn to move. And it's absolutely fascinating. And it comes from dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, which is an organization that teaches um, developmental kinesiology and how it applies to either rehabilitation or uh, childhood development or um, preparation for athletic development. It's, it's a, amazing how if you kind of go back to the way that you originally learned to breathe and learn to move that the outcomes are just astounding and so I, I was lucky enough I did a uh, courses when I was in school and I learned under some of like the most intelligent people that live in the world and uh, and so I knew about diastasis before it was like an Instagram buzzword um, <laughs> that's what it is now hashtag diastasis yes. um, and and I kind of didn't care that much about it. I was like, okay, I am pregnant now, which means that I have all of these adaptive capabilities in my body because you become superhuman when you're pregnant. Like the same changes that happen uh, physiologically are synonymous with what happens when a, like someone who's sedentary begins an exercise routine. So you have an increase in your blood volume and your cardiac output, your VO2 max, like these changes happen when you become pregnant. It doesn't really feel like it in the first trimester because you're like winded from walking up four steps, but those things are happening and it's incredible. And so I was like, okay, I'm superhuman. I'm going to go through. And I was kind of like, I don't know who I was trying to prove myself to, but I was definitely trying to prove myself. Like this isn't going to slow me down. I was very egotistical about it. And, you know, in hindsight at the time, I didn't think I was being, but, um, so postpartum I did, I, I took a full six weeks off, uh, of like my traditional working out and I'm doing CrossFit. And then I was just kind of doing rehab, like on the side mm. because I was like, Oh, I know this rehab stuff. And so that's fine. And I was just, sort of like patting myself on the back for just doing a great job at it all, you know? And then when, by the time I got pregnant the second time, which was a little over two years later that I got pregnant, I realized that like I hadn't, I hadn't slowed down enough to enjoy and appreciate the process. And I hadn't really honored all of the changes that my body had gone through. And so I was like, okay, second pregnancy, I'm going to, I'm going to slow this down and I'm really going to appreciate this. So I had to break my own habit and I'm not trying to break other people's habits. This is a very long winded answer to your question, but what I'm trying to do is let them, there is a space for them to be in their body and appreciate what it's doing without beating it up. And there is a space for them to honor and, and give time and space to healing the process that becoming a mother is because it's a huge, like, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual transformation that happens and, and to just like, okay, well, let's bounce back at six weeks. That doesn't do it any sort of justice. Hmm. I love that long-winded answer. That was perfect. <laughs> no, do not, don't ever Brevity apologize for this. is not my forte. No, this is perfect. <laughs> well, because it just showcases that it's so much more than just movement. It's so much more than just you know, one or two components. It's all of it. It really, and so talk to me a little bit more about the 
the way we learn how to breathe, what you mentioned very briefly, and how that ties into how us, you know, making new skills and being humans, being better humans even. Will you address that a little bit more about like the absence yeah, absolutely. of breath? And so this kind of goes into the other thing that I am super passionate about, which is being respectful of your children, um, which sounds like I'm being super judgy of people. So I'm taking note of that right now. But uh, when, uh, when you're a baby, you, it looks like you can't do anything, right? Um, you're just laying there. All you can do is kind of like make some noises and do awkward movements. Um, but it's actually just this graceful, beautiful process of awareness and creating that is not necessarily happening on the outside, but it's definitely happening on the inside. And so when a baby's born, they're taking rapid low chest breaths because they have just started breathing in the way that you and I breathe because prior to that they were getting oxygenated blood through the umbilical cord. And so they didn't act like they, they didn't actually go through the process of utilizing their lungs and filling them with air. You know, they were breathing kind of through their amniotic fluid. So it's a completely different process when they come out of the womb and they start taking rapid shallow chest breaths. And over the course of a couple of months, they actually learn how to use their diaphragm and have the diaphragm lower as opposed to just raising their shoulders up and, and raising their chest up to breathe. So what's interesting is that the way that we breathe when we're under stress looks like an infant who's just been born, like rapid, shallow chest mm -hmm. breathing. Um, and so we can kind of get into the polyvagal theory here a little bit and, and talk about some yeah. of the adaptations of breath and sound and movement. Uh, but what's really cool is to see a, a baby actually learn to stabilize their core because babies are born with a non-functioning pelvic floor and they're born with a diastasis. So, which is actually like how I first learned about diastasis. I didn't learn about it in reference to pregnant women. I learned about it in reference to babies. Ah. Um, now it's a hashtag for pregnant women, but um, the, uh, the diastasis closes and the pelvic floor becomes functional through a process of breath and movement. And so as the diaphragm lowers, the pelvic floor actually lowers. And as the diaphragm raises on exhale, the pelvic floor actually raises. And the linea alba is the tissue that gets stretched during uh, when a diastasis is occurring. And that uh, we, we kind of think about just closing those two rectus abdominis muscle bellies together to close the diastasis. But uh, it's so much more than that because the linea alba is this connective tissue that's gotten stretched. And so we need to actually get a little bit of tensile strength back in that. Um, so when we breathe fully into our diaphragm, that means that all the way 360 degrees around our abdomen, which includes everything in the back, is going to expand. And then from there, we can use the postural function of the diaphragm, which will allow us to create intraabdominal pressure. And so task-specific intraabdominal pressure is really key. Like if you're going to pick up a pencil, it's a little bit different than if you're going to pick up a baby, a little bit different than if you're going to do a 300 pound deadlift. Mm. And what you need is to create a stabilizing system that's going to allow you to transfer load and stay safe. And babies learn to do that simply by laying on the ground. And so we get really impatient and don't honor their learning process uh, kind of societally. And we stick them in bumbo seats and we put them in exercisers and we kind of like rush them through the process of learning to move when really what they're prioritizing is learning to breathe and stabilize. And so if we actually honor that process, it's beautiful to see how strong and stable they can become. And it's also like, 
just out of respect for them as humans, because you're born and you're a full human. You don't like turn into one when you start talking. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of a combination of my, my, my two favorite things, which is like movement and motherhood. And then also how we achieve movement and respecting other humans. <laughs> I love it. No. And for as far as like recommended, do you just, I guess that's a broad question, but like let babies be babies. How do you know when is to progress them and when is maybe impeding on their own development? Cause that's for the most part, if you are progressing them, then they are not. Mm. So if you sit your baby up, then you disrupt their ability to maintain core stability. If you hold your baby's fingers and walk them, then you disrupt their ability to create stability. If you do anything for your baby that they can't do on their own, then you're interrupting their process of learning how to do it appropriately. And this is such a, I feel like such a non-mom for saying this, but I'm going to ask in case there's non-moms. <laughs> That's okay. Because this is such a new world for me. So would they, if nobody sat them up or walked them, they would still learn that on their own. That's their own natural tendencies. That's what's amazing. Like That's you crazy. are amazing. You learn how to create stability in your abdomen and throughout your core so that you can sit and stand and crawl and squat and do everything without anyone teaching you. Like these are neural patterns that we're born with that get expressed when we allow for freedom of movement. It's freaking insane and it's incredible. And it's just like, mind-blowing how incredibly cool we are. <laughs> it makes, I guess it makes sense because I watch nature shows all the time and I see that yeah. they figure it out. I mean, they just kind of like, oh yeah, that's what you do. Right. That's oh, crazy. I'm born and I start walking. <laughs> like thankfully we actually have a little bit of, uh, you know, like we're, we're pretty non-impressive in, in like comparison to other mammals sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, we'll learn all of these things without anyone teaching us. And if somebody does teach us, then we'll learn external cues for intrinsic stability and it just doesn't work. Mm, I love this. So then that concept is applying to moms as post-birth, post-labor. Yeah, well, because what, what do you have after you give birth? Most likely you got a diastasis and probably a non-functioning pelvic floor, or at least not a completely functioning pelvic floor because your pelvic floor muscles have to completely stretch in order to open in order for a baby to come out of there. And if you birth via cesarean, then your abdomen is being cut open. It's major abdominal surgery, which completely disrupts the core. So we can go back to the principles of how you once learned to move and how every human around the globe learned to move in order to create a basis of stability again. And so like babies go from zero to oh, 14 months. Usually by that time period, babies are walking and so to think that we could achieve the same milestones in six weeks mm. is a little silly, right? Yeah. And obviously, like, we have higher movements. We can already walk after we've given birth, but it really would help if we learned how to do it again. Yeah. And, that, and that, is that the probably the biggest stigma of what are some cues if someone says... I, like, how do we help, how do you personally help those people that are, feel really rushed into getting their body back or getting their, their life back or going back to where they were? Do you have some cues that really help people kind of um, embrace patients or is it just teaching them? Because even just obviously the power of education, when people understand it, that can make a huge shift for people, but there still is that thing in the back of your head that's like, oh my gosh, I have... I, I, I don't like this. And so what right. are some ways that you help with moms that are in that process? 
Um, so two things are coming to mind right now. One is language. Um, so interestingly enough, I am a chiropractor and uh, I have an English major. That's what I got my bachelor's in. Um, <laughs> so words are fun for me. And I, realistically, I knew I was going to be in school for a really long time and I did not enjoy being like bombarded by all of the science classes. And so I <laughs> took the easy way out and I majored in something that was easy for me. Uh, and then I chose a field that was challenging. But anyway, I like that. Um, so <laughs> But the words that we use are really important. So whenever we talk about like, I just want to be back to my body. I want to be back to my lifestyle. I want to be back, 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 back. Mm-hmm. We're going backwards. And, and realistically, the only way to go is forward because the, the past is already gone. And the only thing that you have is the present moment. And so being in your body is a beautiful thing, whether you're comfortable there or not at the time being. Because it's the only place that you get to be. And if you're daydreaming in your current body right now about what your body used to be like or about what your body might be like in the future, then you're missing out on being in your body right now. And you're the only person who gets to live there. So you might as well take advantage of it. So I think the language that we use around it is really important. And I also think too, like just allowing women to understand that there is no rush because like, what, where are you running to that, yeah. that you need to be running when you're you know, six weeks postpartum, where are you going? Mm -hmm. Uh, let, let's, let's be here in this moment. And, you know, like you said, the education of it is really important. Like once you, once you know, and once you understand that, um, and once you value it, I think that's really important. I really like, I commend women who are willing to show what that looks like. Like I, um, I'll, I work out without my shirt on, like not thinking, that I'm doing something, you know, and almost every single time I do, I will get a message from somebody. Like if I post a video of it on online, um, I'll get like a DM from somebody on Instagram. Like, I love seeing you work out with your shirt on. You look so strong. And like, okay, cause you can see all my muscles or because like, I really don't care if I have my shirt off and like, guess what? I have adipose tissue. Like, Oh my God, it's a secret. Um, there's like cellulite on my legs, you know? Um, but I think that the more that you see women embracing and accepting their body and just loving what is, you know, just mm-hmm. to take from Byron Katie, uh, the, the more that, that you find other women able to, to step into that and able to, to kind of achieve that without, without fear. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of fear of like, oh, what's going to happen if I can't get back to my body? Well, you can't get back to your body. You might be in the same size jeans. You might, well same size. I I used that example yesterday. I was like, no one's wearing jeans. Everyone, you might be in the same size Lulu. Like (laughs) you might might have the same like measurements in your body, but your body is a completely changed entity, you know, and, and no butterflies are trying to become caterpillars. Like it's this beautiful transformation that happens that like the more that we pay attention to it and the more that we realize like how much from the microscopic and cellular level to the metaphysical level that becoming a parent changes you, um, the better off that we'll be because we can, we can really own that. Mm, I love it. And just some, do you have personal hacks that help you be in the moment of just when we are kind of, cause we are, no matter where we are, like it's easy to see where we've been, which I love mm-hmm. how you said that that's being back. It does not equal the present. And then also we, where we want to go and how easily that also takes us out of the present. Do you have your own personal hacks or things that have been helpful to put you in the moment? Um, I started meditating mm-hmm. a couple years ago, I think 2014. 
2013. So I became a mom in 2013. 2014 is when I adopted like a fairly regular meditation practice and I'll get out of it every once in a while, but that really helps because that's all you're doing, right? It's just mm-hmm. being in the moment for <laughs> a moment. Um, also like this, this is a little ridiculous, but um, I have a flip phone. So that's, there's just less distraction of things that are not important in my oh, life. I love um, that. <laughs> I, and like, I, I haven't just not, transitioned to a smartphone. I had a smartphone from 2009 until 2017. And, and it was a change then. Yeah. So last year is a year in August that my flip phone and I celebrated our anniversary. <laughs> um, but like it's, I, the, the, the unfortunate side of it is that I end up with less pictures. Um, but the fortunate side is that I think that I have more memories like imprinted because I'm there instead of seeing things through a lens. Uh, and so that's, that's like a, a biohack that nobody wants to hear about is like completely <laughs> ditch all of your technology. You know, you're, you're my second. So I had my first podcast was with um, Denise and she actually has a flip phone as well, which is I crazy because I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally two. Like, two for two. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yes. I'm not alone in this, but like I will be places and I'll get my phone out and people are like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the it. more time that you can find to uh, to to physically be where you are instead of scrolling through where someone else is, the the better off that you are. Um, and like prior to getting a flip phone, I would just take tech free weekends, and I would just like, okay, nothing is going to be on. Sorry if you needed to reach me because I don't have any way for you to do that. But I'm turning this off, and we're not turning anything on. Um, so my husband's a teacher, so he doesn't have any social media because he's like, I do not want to be in that world. <laughs> um, so like, it's not an issue at all for him like the, um, to have a smartphone. But for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to real quick update my website. Like I own two businesses and then I'm the COO of BirthFit. So like I have a lot that work related, I could be doing all of the time. Yeah. Um, but then like I real quick, I'm just going to post something on Instagram and then like I respond to somebody's message and then it's, you know, 15, 20 minutes later that like I haven't set my phone down. And so I was like, I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I gotta get rid of it. I respect um, that. I think that's so true because it's, there's never enough, right? So right. in today's age, you could literally create a whole business from your cell phone and mm-hmm. run it and operate it on your cell phone and grow it in a great way on your cell phone. And so you can never have enough. And I think it's just understanding. I love that you said that because it's true. It's like, but I should do this. I should do this. And then I check myself and I'm like, why do I have so much anxiety? Oh, because I've picked up my phone 20 times in the last 20 minutes. And so it's just so connected and it's so tough, but there has to be boundaries, whether it's flip phone or or not, there has to be some sort of boundary for sure. Well, like on the latest Apple updates, they have your usage statistics, which I think is really powerful. My husband actually told me he, uh, this is like heartbreaking. He saw, um, he asked a couple of his students if he could see their usage stats. He teaches high school and the, um, the one student, uh, I think it, it was over a period of like two days, they were on their phone for 21 hours. <laughs> Like, oh I don't even know gosh, how it's yeah. possible, but, but it is like, possible. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's actually a huge piece of this. I've just started like a mindset program and, you know, we hear about this all the time about comparison, but then you, you can't tell yourself your brain 
don't compare, don't compare when you're constantly in a mechanism that is comparing. So it's, it, there has to be a line of how often are you willing to keep your phone down and not check your social media because there, there is no boundaries anymore. Right. And so like what you share of your personal life, what you share of your business, I mean, it's like, uh, like you could always be sharing. I'm like, I'm a big fan of sharing, Mm -hmm. but like in person, because when I share my highlight reel, then you're comparing your full reel to what my highlights are. And so I intentionally try to share the non highlight reel stuff, but yeah, uh, Yeah. you know, Well, I love that insight. I think that's great. Whether flip phone or not, boundaries in some way can boundaries. help. <laughs> boundaries. Well, and also, I mean, like as a mother, uh, that was a that was a big driver for me was just seeing my kids want to be on my phone because they saw me on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I either need to put the phone down or figure something else out. And it was like, it, it was too overwhelming for me t- to just put it down and know how much like work was available that I could be doing. Whereas like I have a flip phone, so nope, haven't checked my email today. <laughs> That's a good you know? point. Yeah. Cause if it's there, you want to access it. You're not, right. you're an entrepreneur. That's what you want to do. They want to access it because yeah. bright lights, moving pictures. Yes. Let me see that mama. And I'm like, Oh no, I don't want you to be attached to a device all of the time. So yeah, I had to model what I wanted for them. (laughs) I love that you did (laughs) that. It was hard at first, but now the only thing that's hard is navigation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's so true. Sometimes I'm embarrassed by how bad my sense of direction is because I've allowed it to be bad. I don't challenge myself with directions. And so therefore like this, it's, it's like grown my brain because I'm like, okay, I've got to know how to get there. Right. Yeah. You have to listen. You have to be aware when you're like going there, how to leave. It's so true. It just makes all the difference. That's why I think traveling is when people say like traveling make opens up your horizon because you see new things. I'm like, no, it's because you have to be aware because yeah. you're in a new situation and you have to have awareness and you're not in, you aren't aware in your day-to-day activities. Right. You could do that in your backyard if you wanted to. Yes. <laughs> totally. Travel to the sandbox and the playground yeah. and you will open your world. It's true. I, you mentioned something that I wanted to come back to. Uh, you, I want you to go down the rabbit hole of the polyvagal theory. Ooh, because I, I know, um, I've had a lot of concussions and so I've done a lot of kind of vagal tonage and trying to like gargle and gag and all the horrible things that they've, you know, said to try and I, right. it may or may not work, but I am very connect. I, I love when I hear chiropractors talk about this cause I want to know more about it. And I think a lot of my listeners, I don't even know if we've addressed this at all in my podcast. So this will be super fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm curious, how many concussions have you had? I've had eight. Um, oh my God. I know. I know. I don't know anyone who's had, like, personally, I don't know anyone who's had more concussions than me until this moment right now because oh, I've had you six. Have. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, I've been at conferences and they're like, okay, so how many of you in here have had a concussion? And you're like, most of the people in the room, unfortunately, raise their hand. And they're like, how many of you have had two? And then, like, they keep, you know, adding a number. And, like, down. I still have my hand up and they're like, you should be dead. I'm like, yeah, well. Yeah. I always, (laughs) I know. I think about it all the time because I'm, you know, one, it's made me so aware of like all the biohacking that I can do for my brain. And, but I'm very sensitive to any change. And especially, I, I think I notice it the most, um, with just nutrition. If it's off a little bit, I'm highly sensitive to it as far as 
the, I mean, you know, the way that my brain operates the next day, the brain fog and yeah. my neurotransmitters go to shit. And I just am like, what did I do? And then I look and I'm like, oh, I had canola oil and probably some gluten in this, in those right. sweet potato fries. So I kind of always come back to it, but it's just interesting because, um, I think everyone has had some sort of concussion and, yeah. and diagnosed or not. Yeah. And so taking care of our brain and then how our brain connects to our parasympathetic state and our gut health and all of that. Yeah. So mm. you really want to go down the road. I do want to go. So yes. The polyvagal theory, um, the, this, this all came from Dr. Stephen Forges and, um, I completely, fangirled this summer because, or actually I guess it was in the spring, but I sent him an email and he responded to me <gasps> I and I was it. like, Oh my God. <laughs> and his wife did too. I was like super pumped. We're hoping to actually um, be able to work with him with BirthFit. So fingers crossed for that. Okay, fingers um, but so he, he kind of came up with the, the hierarchy of the vagus nerve. And so, uh, at the, the base level, you have your, uh, your rest or digest and, but also the, the freeze mechanism is there. So if you have, this is really great to actually like draw out and see. Uh, and that's one of the things that we do in the birth fit seminars is draw out the polyvagal theory so you can see it. Um, but on like half of your half of yourself is, is, is in perceived safety and the other half is in perceived threat. And so the, the reaction that you have is based on which state that you're in. And so in perceived safety, you have rest and digest, but in perceived threat, you could freeze, right? So they're like pass out or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shock, things like that. Um, and then if you, and that's in the, the parasympathetic realm. And then in the sympathetic realm, you have the, the, like, that's where you work out. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, and, and that's also where active labor happens for most people. Mm-hmm. If active labor is everything happens the other side, which is the fight or flight side. Um, and then the, the third level, which is what Dr. Porges kind of recognized and put all of his work together is the social aspect. So humans are the ones that have this, uh, activity of the vagus nerve. And so this is where we, on the, the perceived safety, this is where we have uh, communication and sensuality and play. And then on the other side, that's where we have manipulation and the, like the, the gnarly things that kind of happen, like zebras are not manipulating each other. Right. But yeah. humans are. Um, and so if we stay for like 80% of the time on the perceived safety side, then we're doing really, really well because our nervous system can be healthy in that way. But if we spend way too much time in the perceived threat side, so it, the perception of threat is as important as an actual threat because you might walk down a dark alley and be like, cool, I know this road. I've walked here a million times and I'm not scared of it at all. And I might walk down that alley and be like, oh my gosh, there's ghosts and goblins in here for sure. Like Mm -hmm. totally creeped out. And my perception of that threat is going to cause neurological response. Whereas your perception of safety is going to cause neurological response. And, um, so it's so interesting to see how this plays into women in labor. And it's also interesting to see how it plays into babies, um, because their perception of threat is a safety mechanism for them. And if we can allow them to feel safe, then we can allow the social aspect of their vagus nerve to actually develop more fluidly. Mm. Um, and so like we, we have access to breath, sound, and movement, which can help to regulate our autonomic nervous system. Um, and it's just pretty cool to think that it's not just this 
you're either in rest or digest or you're in fight or flight. Like there's actually levels to it. And so at the basic reptilian level, you know, you feign death and that's a, a safety mechanism. And so people who are the victims of trauma may, you know, maybe kind of like upset at themselves that, that they didn't either fight off their attacker or flee from the situation, but their nervous system perceived such a threat that they had to go to a lower level of their vagus nerve and actually just freeze. Mm. And that it was like their brain's ability to save them and protect them. Like the safest thing for you to do right now to ensure survival is to freeze. Because if you fight or if you flight, if you, you know, if you go somewhere, then you're not going to make it. Um, and so it's just kind of this recognition of how amazing our nervous system really is. And it's not just, Oh, you're either resting and digesting or you're fighting or fighting. And, um, and that there's also two sides of it, like in the perceived safety side or the perceived threat side, you're having similar, but different responses. Mm. I love it. And then for you uh, to kind of obviously awareness, do you have hacks that help you kind of tap into, I talk about the, um, you know, for, especially with chiropractors, how delicate you guys, your education was, it's incredible when you true chiropractors that do it really well, it's, you're an unlimited source because the spine is our autonomic nervous system, right? So you can tap into that parasympathetic state, which is so hard for people to tap into because we are constantly in this state of perceived threats, whether it's because of our phone that we talked about or because of our, our, you know, our lifestyle or our work environment. Um, for you personally, what is ways that can help you tune into it? And I'm curious if you've noticed especially since you've had concussions, multiple concussions, is it harder to access? Um, so one of the things, this is another one of those biohacks that nobody wants to do. Like get a flip phone and take cold showers. No. <laughs> oh God, I'm so bad at cold shoulders. Terrible ideas and I won't do them. Um, <laughs> but like, it's like the very, like the initial cold shower. And what's funny is that I've been doing them for about, I guess like two years now. Um, and when I get, like, I turn the water on, like I'm warming it up. Right. Like, yeah. Do to do waiting around. Till I'm like, Oh wait, it's cold. And I, I'm just going to get in and it's going to be cold. Like it doesn't matter how long you wait. It's still cold. <laughs> um, but like when you first get in, it's like, huh, like it's kind of that shock. Mm-hmm. And then instantaneously, like your nervous system then responds because you know that you're safe mm. and, uh, and it, it feels good. Like I totally crave cold showers. Um, how long do you take that? I don't, I, t- I probably take one warm shower a month <gasps> and it's usually, uh, like during or right after my cycle. Um, but otherwise I just take cold showers. See, I'm telling you, nobody wants to do that biohack. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, I will if it helps, but oh my I God, it is um, so hard like for me. me. I have lupus and I have Sjogren's and like the mm. primary symptoms that I have are cutaneous, like their, their skin like symptoms. And so cold showers feel amazing to me. Mm. And I, yeah, I like, even when I don't want to take them, right. Like it's kind of like meditating. Sometimes you're like, I do not freaking want to sit still and pay attention to my breath for five minutes. And then you do it and you're like, yeah, I definitely wanted to do that. Like, it's also kind of like sex. Like sometimes you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I definitely wanted to do that. I'm really glad I did that. (laughs) Like it's all of the things that like take a little bit of vulnerability from you Yeah. that you don't really want 
want to do, you're like, ah, I feel like taking my clothes off. And I actually do feel like taking my clothes off. Um, (laughs) Like if you, if you allow yourself to get into that and you really step in like, and and the cold shower, you have to like physically step into it. You're like, okay, I'm accepting that this is my truth right now. I'm stepping into a cold shower. Um, But that's, you know, that's like a great, a great practice for me. I do a dry brush routine before and then I get in and there's like, um, it's part like a, a Kundalini yoga practice is dry brushing and then getting into a cold shower. And there's like a, a um, little kind of massage that you do over your body and it's, yeah. it's amazing and it feels really good. And, um, I've done that. I've like, done the massage part. I avoided nice. the cold shower part. <laughs> Okay, so this is something really funny because what you just said is so true. What the act of getting in the shower or um, the the hard part, the sitting down and breathing, like there's such a blockage of the, it's a two second decision, right? It is like when you're Mm -hmm, in the, mm -hmm. you're on the beach and the water's so cold and you put your feet in and you're like, oh my God, nope, nope, nope. And you just have to do it. You literally, it takes one, like one little effort to just flop your body in and then you're in it, but your whole body is like, no, 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 no. And I feel like sometimes that is so strong for people that they never actually do it. And I'm just curious, is is it just, is it the, is it vulnerability? Maybe that word is. I don't know. Cause you said that and that's kind of feels right. Like it, it's putting themselves in a vulnerable position that they are choosing happiness for themselves or like. They that are might ch- be it. I don't know. I think a lot of people are going to fight you on the idea of they're choosing happiness by stepping into a cold shower though. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, but if your but, audience might not agree know, with that. That's true. <laughs> it's true. But the things that you know, you'll feel better doing after, right? You know, right. after I mean, it's kind of like a workout too. Yes. Like you're like, I'm not going to the gym today. There's no freaking way. And then mm-hmm. somehow like you, you decide that you're going to do it and you get there and you're like, yeah, I'm really glad I did that. And you, you just know? do it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that, that it's, you know, it's, it's the conscious choice to step into the now. I think more than like, I think that we we could sell that idea, right. Rather than like, you're choosing happiness by stepping into a cold shower. Like you're choosing that you're like, there's nowhere for you to go when you're in a cold shower. Like, obviously you could get out of the shower, but like you're in there, the water is coming down on you. It's cold and you're just there. Mm. right yep and so it's the same thing when you get into a workout it's the same thing with having sex it's the same thing with meditating like you're getting into this moment that can bring all of the good things to you but sometimes hard to get there ah yes I love it why do we hate being in the moment so much it's just getting worse and worse I think I don't know. I don't I'm know. Get a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's just finish up um, with a couple more questions uh, pre- for moms that, for people that have, you know, they're they're about to have a baby. Finding that tribe, finding that community, finding that safe place. I think that's just something worth it. I'm just just so grateful to be a part in some small way of what you guys are doing because I just think yes. it's in, incredible. Um, what are some other like more emotional kind of like kind of biohacking, but more for the process that they're about to go through hacks that, you know, kind of, this is a very general question, but like the kind of overall takeaway of what you would want a mom to know as someone that's been through it and has seen the beauty of it. And whether it's a first mom or just a mom that's like, God, all I see is the, the hard, uh, what are some ways to help them? kind of expand that a little bit. 
Um, I, I think what you just said, like the, the community, right? So like having support in place is huge. And, and whether that's support that you pay for or it's support that, that you ask for just from your friends and family, either one, and, and sometimes actually usually both, mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that you have people on your team who are going to be there for you, who are going to help you be your best self, and who are going to, to hold space for you when it does get tough, because it will. Like, motherhood is not easy. Transitioning into motherhood is not easy. And, you know, it, it can be fun. It can be amazing. It can be wonderful and beautiful, but it can also be absolutely heart-wrenching. And so to have people that you can count on and, and support you through that process and know that people you know, like some of the people that you hold most dear are just not going to be in the right role as you transition into motherhood. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that you have people to fill the space of like who's on your team is really important. And, um, and I, I really think, you know, schoolhouse rock, man, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the more that, you know, the less scary that it becomes like people don't experience, have you ever experienced birth other than when you came into the world? Oh no, I haven't. I've right. Yeah. No, I mean, you don't for mm-hmm. the, for the most part, we do not experience birth. We, as females, we certainly used to like within a tribe, the women would go and support another woman who, uh, any other woman who was having yeah. a baby and you know, your aunts and your mother and your grandmother and the community at large would be there for you as you were birthing a baby. And now it's just something that we don't see unless you watch like call the midwife or knocked up you're not seeing babies (laughs) yeah come into the world and and so there's it's just blank slate and you don't know what you don't know and that's a scary thing because you know sometimes you hear or read horror stories and as soon as you're visibly pregnant people like to share those things with you for some reason uh it's like a magnet for just shit stories to come at you uh and and so like giving yourself knowledge about what your options are. Like the number one, the fact that you have options, number two, what you, what your options are. So like at large, and then also locally, like where, where can I give birth? Can I do a home birth? Is there a birth center? What are the hospitals like? Um, like what provider do I want to have attending my birth? Like you're hiring these people to be on your team. And so I think the more knowledge that you have, the better, because I, I haven't, I'm completely biased because I, you know, I teach the birth at prenatal series and it's a childbirth education class, but I just haven't run into anybody yet who regretted having information Yeah, and, you know, and, and ensuring that you're taking as much time to prepare yourself for the event of birth, but also what comes after that as you are researching car seats and strollers, Mm. car seats would obviously be a little bit more important because they keep your baby alive and strollers put your baby in a position that probably is not ideal for the development. (laughs) (laughs) As we discussed. (laughs) discussed. I do have a stroller. We used it like five times. So do you have a baby wrap? Do you have a baby wrap? I have carriers. Um, My kids spend a lot of time on the ground with dirty knees and no. How old are your kids? They are now five and two oh. and they're, they're cute as hell. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> really fun. Um, and yeah, the, my you... youngest has started 
doing like this duck face thing when he's upset. So he like froze his brow and he sticks his lips on. He's like, I'm so upset. And it's so ridiculous and so adorable. And I, and I just, I acknowledge his feeling. I say, it sounds like you're upset <laughs> instead of like, I mean, that's one of the things that we do as parents is just like shush our kids into not sharing those things with us yeah. and not holding space for their feelings. Like, you know, some days I've stubbed my toe and it's the end of the world. And some days I stub my toe and I just keep moving on. So like when we see that, like, oh, you fell down, you're fine. Well, maybe that was like the last straw for them. Yeah. You know, did you always want to be a mom? I did. I, there wasn't like a, you know, large like thought behind it. It was just kind of an assumption that I had, I mm-hmm. guess, like mm-hmm. that I would be a mom. I did think that I wanted to have a daughter until I had my son. Well, actually, until I got pregnant. I really hope this is a boy. Never mind. Don't think I'm a daughter. <laughs> and then when I was pregnant the second time, I swore we didn't. Well, okay. So neither one of us found out the, the sex of our first baby. And the second time around, my husband was like, do you want to know the sex? And I was like, no, do you? And he was like, I kind of do. I was like, uh, okay, well, we don't have a boy's name picked out yet. So if you want to find out, we got to have that locked down. And and then somehow like 19 weeks, we couldn't come up with a boy's name. And then in two days we had a boy's name. Um, (laughs) but so he actually found out the sex of our second and he was not allowed to tell anyone. And he is a lockbox, and he didn't tell anybody. Um, he did actually tell our doula. Um, but that was it. Um, nobody was allowed to tell me. I didn't want to know, but I really thought that he was going to be a girl and I was terrified. <laughs> I don't know why. I was just like, what am I going to do with a girl? And then I was so relieved when he was a boy. I was like, okay, I've done this. I can do this again. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, Lindsay, this has been but, like, so my fun. Grandma and my mom, like I, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. No, you're okay. Keep going. Cause I'm a family. Oh, I was just going to say my females. grandma and my mom, like, you know, like they still have a close relationship and, um, uh, and like my grandma taught my mom how to braid hair and they used to braid my hair and I would just like envision myself braiding my mm-hmm. daughter's hair. Uh, but my kids have long hair and sometimes they let me braid it. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Lindsay, do you know your spirit animal? Um, a finch and, um, possibly, possibly a fox, but I'm not, I'm not certain about that one. That was kind of an interesting one that, um, we were talking about spirit animals and then a fox showed up. <laughs> oh, that is funny. I love so that. that was an interesting one. Yeah. I What's love, yours? I love finches. Um, yeah. I grew up with a bunch outside of my house. Uh, I am a hummingbird. Nice. Uh, yeah. A little bit of something else that's not so. So the, the conversation that, that I was talking What's that? The uh, I was just joking because I my other I always say part hummingbird part dragon, so I need some. (laughs) So so I need a real animal that's not a dragon that kind of resembles the not so nice, cute cute part of a hummingbird because I have that side that exists. But for the most part, (laughs) hummingbird. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, the conversation that I was having of uh, the spirit animals, the woman that I was talking to. Hers was a hummingbird, and I'm just Aww. remembering that. So hmm. I love that. Interesting. That's great. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, this has been so so fun. I appreciate your time. I knew you were so busy doing amazing things. I want everyone to go follow her um, at birthfit underscore nc because you're in Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah. I always Raleigh. say Raleigh. I always say Raleigh. it wrong. Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> 
and then birth well, you're it. welcome to come visit and no one will look at you funny it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Birthfitnc.com as well. Uh, and then we are just going to do more and more things together. So I'm excited to finally make I'm so action. excited to get my Birthfit MPAC. I can't, yes. I'm like sitting on pins and needles waiting. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> We're so excited too. It's the most beautiful bag yet. So I can't it wait. <laughs> I love it. I love well, it. I love all of you at Birthfit. Keep doing what you're doing. And it's such a pleasure to connect with you on me. Yes. Thank you today. so much. It was, so it was awesome. great to, to chat with you. I appreciate your time. Yeah. We will see each other soon. I'm hoping so. Fingers crossed.